I do promise that I'll quit preaching about the time I'm done, okay? It just seemed like the way things are going here, you're supposed to tell jokes. So I, I was kind of sitting in the chair the other night, and we were relaxing, and Dale said, "You want some, my wife's name is Dale. She said, would you like some ice cream? And I said, sure, I'd like some ice cream. So she's out in the kitchen banging around for about a half an hour, and finally she comes back out with bacon and eggs and, you know, potatoes and onions and peppers and everything. It's quite a feast. And I looked at her, I said, woman, are you losing your mind? And she said, well, I don't think so. Why? She said, I, I told you I wanted my eggs over easy. <laughs> It's kind of like that. What can I tell you? I don't know. Christmas time. I want to talk about Bethlehem a little bit. It's kind of an odd little town, but it's where peace was announced. You know, the angel showed up to the shepherds. Uh, They were out watching their sheep by night. You know the story, right? So I won't read all those verses to you, but... And they were out watching those sheep and the angel showed up and he said, listen. It's a good story, isn't it? There is unto you this day born in the city of David, Savior. You know, it's like, wow. City of David, where's that? Well, you read on, it says right in the next verse. You know, if you just keep reading, you'll probably figure out what they're talking about. And we often quit. So you, you go on a little bit farther, and it says right there, so Luke 2.15, the, the angel went away, and the shepherds got up, and they said, let's go to what? Bethlehem, city of David. They're related. It's the same place. So you, the answer is there. Where is the city of David? It's in Bethlehem. That's it. So they went down there. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And then what did they do? Well, they went everywhere telling everybody they ran into exactly what they saw, both in the sky and in the manger, in the heavens and here on earth. They went and told, told everybody. You imagine a little town of Bethlehem, people running around here banging on the door. Hey, hey, hey. It's a great story. Amen. All those who heard it marveled at those things that the shepherds told. It's amazing. Mary, she's a, hmm, right there in her little heart. She's just thinking. She's thinking about the angel that appeared to her. And she said, I'm willing. And the trouble that they went through. Shepherds return praising God, so should we, about all the things. The baby up to get circumcised in Jerusalem. It's part of the Jewish thing. Uh-huh. There's this old lady up in there by the name of Anna, I think her name was, and this other old guy named Simeon. In the temple, there's all these Jews around there, and the priests, and they, they're holding this baby up. This guy, now I can go to my... Because I've seen the salvation of God. Did anybody witness all this up in Jerusalem? The people see these things. They hear all these stories. And it's all over. Bethlehem, Jerusalem. There's a stirring. And the story continues on. Mary went back. Called his name Jesus. The name that was given by the angel before she was conceived in the womb. 
all that conception thing. Holy cow. Up there in Nazareth. You know, the scandal that went on up there. Young woman hadn't been with a man yet, engaged to be married here soon. Now all of a sudden she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Better ship her down to Jerusalem and get her out of the neighborhood for a while. Let this calm down. Well, Bethlehem, what's that all about? It comes out of... Where is that? Oh, yeah, here we go. Threw it away too soon. Comes out of Micah 2. Well, how do you know that? Well, Matthew tells us that. You remember, Matthew 2 starts with, these wise men came to Jerusalem. And King Herod got all upset. And all the people of Jerusalem got upset. And they're all, we have an international crisis on our hand. These guys are coming in here looking for a savior, looking for a king, looking for not the savior, they're looking for a king. They're looking for royalty in King Herod's time and King Herod's realm. Not a good idea. The village, the city of Jerusalem is all up in arms. So they're, they're just, what is going on here? And Herod says, hey, y'all priests and scribes, come on up in here a minute. Let's talk about who or when, where, how. What, what are these guys talking about? Where will this child be born? So they search the scripture. And they eventually come to this verse in Malachi 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will be a shepherd, who will shepherd my people. Micah 5, 2 is what they quoted. Bethlehem. What's all this stir about Bethlehem? Well, Micah, he's an interesting guy. Have you ever read Micah, the Old Testament? Anybody? Raise your hand if you read it. You should know if you read it. You read the entire Old Testament yet? You have to ask yourself why you haven't if you haven't. Not that I'm here to put you on a guilt trip or anything, but how the heck are you going to get to heaven if you don't read the Old Testament? That's a joke. That you don't get to heaven by reading the Bible necessary, but by believing it. But if you don't read it, how are you going to get saved? You have to read the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing or reading. It's all in the same category. You gotta know the scripture. It's a minor prophet. One of the little ones, seven chapters long. You know who the big prophet was at the same exact time? They say, if you read the little one, you'll also know what's in the really big one. The big one has 66 books in it. It's Isaiah. Isaiah, roughly 740 B.C. Micah, roughly 740 B.C. They both quit somewhere around 780, or it was 740, it'd be down to 680, 687, somewhere in there. Why is that important? Because every word's always established by two or three witnesses. There's always connections. You know, this part of the Bible isn't necessarily isolated from that part. And these two brothers were out there preaching to the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. And they're saying things that are very important. Isaiah is probably quoted more in the New Testament than any other uh, Old Testament book. You know why? Well, because in the synagogue they just happened to be going through Isaiah in their reading. So how do you know that? Because Jesus stood up and read Isaiah 61, what we call Isaiah 61, sat down and said, it's happening, folks. I'm here to tell you it's happening. You know, there's one coming. Isaiah and Micah were saying the same things. Now, Micah 1.1 says that 
Micah preached in a time of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. That's the same people that um, Isaiah preached to. Except Isaiah starts within the year that Uzziah died, which was Jotham's dad, which Ahaz, and then Hezekiah. They're all preaching at the same time. Uzziah, good king. Jotham, good king. Ahaz, not so good. You know, Ahaz, this is about Bethlehem, though, but you need to know this. Ahaz, he was afraid that the northern king was making a deal with Syria, and they were going to come down and attack Judah. He said, so we can't have that, so I need some help. So he went over here to Assyria and said, look, will you help me? And they said, yeah, I will. So they wiped out the northern ten tribes in 722, and they wiped out Damascus and Syria, and Assyria, that nation, they took over that whole region completely surrounding Judah. They did. They wiped them out. But this guy was so impressed with the paganism of Damascus area and Syria that he took the labor and the altar that Solomon had put in place and pushed it all aside and built a pagan altar right there in the Temple Mount. And then he had another little idol down in the valley, the Kidron Valley, between the olives, Mount of Olives, and, you know, by the Eastern Gate, the beautiful gate. Down there in the valley, they had this god called Moloch, and they would throw infants up there on the brass hands and burn them up. Human sacrifice. Ahaz, King Ahaz, was a baby killer. Did you know that? The wicked man. You think about a country like America, we don't kill babies, do we? That's a pro-life message, I guess. <laughs> you, Isaiah came up to Ahaz. He said, ask the Lord. Talk to him about this. See if you should go up there and make these allegiances and do all this evil and this. Ask him. He'll, he'll tell you. And Ahaz says, I'm not asking the Lord anything. I want nothing to do with him. And it's basically, the answer comes back, sounds something like this in Isaiah 7. Hear, O house of David, is a small thing for you to weary men. Will you weary my God also? Ahaz, it's one thing for you to live this way amongst fellow men. Will you worry or weary my God also? He's calling them out. He says, just so you know, the Lord's going to give you a sign. And the sign will be this, that a young woman who's never been with a man will have a child and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Try and kill this baby, Ahaz. You're not going to do it. There's a child coming, an eternal child, an everlasting child, God with us. In the Son, in this child that's going to be born. Look, Isaiah went on a little bit. Same bunch of kings, same Ahaz. He went on, as we quoted this morning, in the candlelight. They that dwell in darkness have seen a great light. What light? Well, here it is. I'll tell you what it is. For unto you a child will be born. Same one he was talking about in chapter 7. Unto you a son is given. You know. The government be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful. You ever listen to Handel's Messiah when they sing that verse? 
I love that part. <clears throat> For unto you a son is given. You know that? And his name shall be called. And then they hit it. Wonderful. That just gives you chills, doesn't it? <laughs> All those words are nouns, except for a couple of them. Mighty is an adjective. And counselor is kind of a verb noun thing. It's like, hey, preacher. If preacher is what you do, but sometimes they call you by what you do. <clears throat> Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting. Father. Prince. Peace. Those are his names. or seven of them. It's amazing. This child that's going to be born. The increase of the government shall be peace. And no end. How long is that? Long time, isn't it? Uh-huh. No end. And the throne of David, his kingdom, he's going to order and establish it. Judgment, justice. From that time forward, from the time this child shows up, even forever. How long is that? And the zeal of the Lord is going to do it. It's going to be done. His name is not only peace, but peace will be the government. And that's what Micah says, look, the child is going to be an everlasting child. Here's where he's going to be born. And he tells him straight up. He said, look, um, yeah, here it is. Bethlehem, Ephrathah. But you, Bethlehem, that's where the child's going to be born. Hezekiah was a pretty good king. He's mentioned on that list. And Assyria, they were trying to clean up the rest of the land. They thought they'd take Judah also. They turned on the kings of Judah. And the Lord said to Hezekiah, you know, you've been good. It's not going to happen in your time. You'll be all right. It's not going to happen in your time. And Micah is the one who told that this destruction was coming. Now here's a another good thing about Scripture. Do you know that it it explains itself and it validates itself? Like Jeremiah, he said this. Jeremiah lives a hundred years later. Long time, hundred years later after Micah's done preaching, he said this. In the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, Micah the prophet spoke to the people saying, Look, Zion will be plowed under like a field. Jerusalem will be a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the temple, gone. That's what Micah told him. Did it happen? Not in Hezekiah's day. And Jeremiah goes on to say, Did Hezekiah of Judah and all of Judah ever put Micah to death? No, they didn't. Did he not fear the Lord and seek the Lord's favor? Yes, Hezekiah did. And the Lord relented in concerning the doom that he pronounced against them? Yeah, he did. He gave them 15 more years. Turn the sundial back. Remember that? So Hezekiah had peace in his day. And then Jeremiah says to these wicked people, just before Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Judah, he said, we're doing a great evil against ourselves. 
by not listening to what the prophet said. So, what does that have to do with Bethlehem? This. Micah said the baby will be born in Bethlehem. Jeremiah said Micah is a real prophet, and to be a prophet, you'd better be 100% accurate. Micah, Jeremiah is establishing that Micah prophesied Jerusalem's destruction, and it happened. And it validates Micah's prophecy. Now, he has, Jeremiah says to the people of Judah in that day, by not knowing your Old Testament prophecy, by not understanding the word of God, you are opposing yourself. You're hurting yourself. By not knowing the scripture, we are hurting ourselves. It is necessary for every Christian to know the word of God. And I'll tell you, the days are not getting brighter in America. I think it's time if we really want to rise up as a church, that we start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and we start knowing why we believe what we say we believe, <clears throat> we must be people of the book. And let's not be those that oppose ourselves by ignoring the word. Now, fast forward, we're back up here. The, the, the wise kings have come. And Herod's all upset. And they're getting all these in Jerusalem and they're all in a... All the people, the priests, the scribes. <coughs> Isn't it odd that they had to search to find out where the baby was going to be born? Why didn't they know the scripture? These Jewish people, they should have known right off top of their head where this baby was coming. Why did they not know? You know, Herod... He was married to uh, Miriam, I think her name was. She was from the Hasmonean Empire. That was between the 400 years of silence from Malachi to Matthew. That Hasmonean Empire. They're the ones that kind of brought in the whole Hanukkah light festival thing. Well, if he was from Edom, well, he married this gal, and he ended up becoming king, and he had a couple of sons, but he felt threatened that if these sons ever matured, that because of the Hasmonean Empire, they might try to off him so that the Hasmoneans could be in power again. So guess what he did? He killed her, and the two sons, and the parents and the grandparents and a whole bunch of other people, because he's a murderer, he's a killer, he's a crazy man. <clears throat> He too becomes a baby killer here real soon if he hadn't been doing that all along anyway. We know that uh, a little bit later he does go down to Bethlehem and does not do good things down there. How about Jacob and Rachel? Do you remember them? Rachel's first son's name was what? Reuben? Joseph. Yep. Second son. Joseph's only... Benjamin. Benjamin. When Benjamin was being born, Rachel died. This is a sad story, isn't it? Here, here's how it goes. I'm going to read one verse here. I think it's one of the saddest ones in the Bible. But Jacob is making a trip to a place called Ephrath. It means ashy. It's a worthless place. It's not worth much. Bethlehem, Ephrathah. 
It's like, what is in Bethlehem? Not much. Not very much. And he's on his way there, <clears throat> and Rachel died in childbirth. But later, when he's telling the story to his kids, when he's getting ready to give blessings to them, he says this, As for me, when I came to Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan, in the way. When yet there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. I buried her there, in the way of Ephrath. The same is Bethlehem. It's a sad little verse, isn't it? You know, that this was the wife of his, the love of his life, is the wife that he loved. You know, you know that story. But she died, and he buried her. But when Benjamin was born, but it was on the way to this place of Bethlehem, a pregnant woman about to have a child on the way to Bethlehem. How about this one? Ruth and Boaz, you know about them? It's a great story. Some guy named Abimelech had a wife named Naomi, and they went down to Moab for a while, hung out because there was a famine, and he died, his sons died, and the girls came back with Naomi, and then one of them went back, Ophrah or Oprah, wasn't Oprah, that's a bad TV show. One of those, one of those girls anyway. She went back and, uh, Ruth came along with Naomi. She says, wherever you go, I'll go. I'll be with you. Your God will be my God. We'll never be separated. So she went with Naomi back to the town where she grew up, where Naomi grew up. And she hung out there and they were getting hungry and it was harvest time. So Naomi couldn't do much being an older gal. So Ruth went out into the fields to glean and work in the harvest. And she's working in the harvest and Boaz saw this girl. Obviously, she's not Jewish. She's a foreigner. And he checked out the story and found out that this woman was helping one of his relatives, Naomi, to provide for her and care for her. And he was just very impressed with her desire to follow a foreign god to her, the the real god, and to dedicate to Naomi the way. So, Ruth is there, and Boaz sees her, and they kind of get together, and they decide they're going to get married, but there's a problem. There's another relative in the way. So they have this big meeting in town, and they get all the elders of the town together, and they're in the gate of the city where these decisions would be made in public so anybody could see what's going on. And they made the decision, finally, that Boaz had the right to marry Ruth. And the elders then made a pronouncement Now listen to this, it's kind of like a prophecy, and it's really cool because it's related to Bethlehem. This is a love story, it's a great one, but... And all the people that were there at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses, the Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah. The two did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah. And be famous in Bethlehem. You know, do worthy in the ash heap. Be famous in Bethlehem. Does that sound more like a prophecy? What did Isaiah 61 say about ashes? Beauty for that. You remember that? Isn't it kind of interesting that this prophecy... It's in the Old Testament talking about something coming out of 
Bethlehem that will be famous, something that will come out of the ash heap and rise to the glory of God. Bethlehem. And he says, uh, and let, let thy house be like the house of Perez and Tamar, whom Tamar bore by Judah, seed, the seed of which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. And what we're talking about is the seed line to Messiah. And it was prophesied there in the gates of Bethlehem to Ruth and Boaz. David, <clears throat> you know who David is, right? King David. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite. Sound familiar? And where is he from? Bethlehem, Judah. Where was David born? Bethlehem. Where did David watch the sheep? Bethlehem. Who's the good shepherd? David. But there's a greater one coming. So, David was born in Bethlehem. His dad's name is Jesse. His grandpa's name is Obed. His great-grandpa's name is Boaz, Grandma Ruth. And his great-great-grandpa is a guy named Salmon, who is married to a Jericho survivor. Do you know her name? Rahab. There's another love story. That's a wild one. I think Solomon was one of the two spies that went in and rescued her. You know, big macho guy. Pulled her out of the rubble and said, hey, honey, let's get married. I mean, that's a love story. It's not in the Bible, but I like that story. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but it is in the Bible that Mary was a descendant of King David and that Joseph was a descendant of King David. And Joseph was most likely the real heir to the throne of David. If Herod had known that, he should have killed him, or would have. And Joseph adopted Jesus as his own son, and so by birth through Mary, he is a descendant bloodline of King David, and through by adoption, heir to the throne. And David was promised that he would have an everlasting son to sit on an everlasting throne. And this child was born in Bethlehem. What is all this about Bethlehem? Here's the main point. Micah is not just some small prophet talking about some small village. When you get through, there are a lot more verses, by the way, related to this little area, and a lot more stories. And it's very exciting when you start connecting the dots you know, making a little box, put your initial in it, Bethlehem. When you start to see the bigger picture of what's coming, <clears throat> this is probably the most exciting book you could ever dedicate your life to. Read it, learn it, know it, love it. So all these people in this time, they should know, they should know about Bethlehem. They should know about the coming of the Messiah. And I really think that the people in Israel in the day that Jesus was born and when he started his ministry, that they knew who he was and they knew that uh, he fulfills a lot of scripture, but if we acknowledge it, we will lose everything. And they didn't want to go there. Just imagine the scandals for a minute. You have Nazareth, young girl, She's seeing angels and now she's pregnant before she's married. Sure, right, whatever. 
She goes down to Jerusalem and hangs out with Zechariah and Elizabeth, a relative. Zechariah, the priest, goes into the temple, sees an angel, can't talk. And he's, he comes out and he can't talk. He's a priest. All the priests, all the scribes, all the Pharisees, Sadducees, all the people in Jerusalem know the priest was in there. They know he can't talk. John is born. His name will be John. And all of a sudden he starts talking again. Do you think that story spread around? How about Elizabeth and Mary? They're sitting around and they're talking about, you read this, blessed art you, you know, and all this, I mean, the mother of my Lord has come to see me. And those two women, I like that picture. You see the two pregnant ladies, the younger and the older. Elizabeth can't have children. She's beyond the years of bearing. Now she's having a child. This is all over town. These two women are talking about angels and scripture. They're having Bible studies. They're doing the stuff, man, in a way that we don't even begin to imagine. Why do you think so many women followed Jesus around in his early days of his ministry? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. But I have my own ideas, and they're a little odd sometimes, but I really think when we get to heaven, we're going to find out because of Mary and Elizabeth that there were a lot of women expecting Jesus to be born, that the Messiah was coming, and when they saw him, they knew that Elizabeth and Mary were telling the truth when they put the rest of the story together. Because the word travels. It just travels around and around. So they... You get Joseph and Mary, and all of a sudden there's a census, and they have to go down there to Bethlehem, the city of David. There they go. If Herod had known the descendant was coming, he should have just wiped out all of Bethlehem during the census, if he really wanted to put an end to it. He wasn't smart enough for that, however. But they went down there. Everybody knew they were down there. The next thing you know, they got reports of more angels in the sky, shepherds running all over the country, talking about babies being born in mangers. And the people up north there by the Sea of Galilee, they're thinking, isn't that where Joseph and Mary went? She said that baby was from God. Why did the Pharisees say to Jesus, you're altogether born in sin? Because they knew what she had said. They knew the story. They were accusing him of being an illegitimate child based on the scandal that was in that day. These people all knew. And then the child comes. And then these wise men come from a far country. And his words the king. I mean, they all knew. There's just so much about the scandal. Now, if it had just been a good news story, nobody probably would have remembered it. But because it's tied to such strange little scandals, and yet, if you look a little deeper, the possibilities are endless of God fulfilling the Scripture and revealing His Son in the little town of Bethlehem in a way that there's no excuse for anybody to miss it, especially in that day. And then Herod goes in and kills all the babies sometime later. And uh, Matthew, when he wrote the story, I think it was Matthew, maybe it was Luke, but either way, it's recorded, Jeremiah 31. A voice was heard in Rame, lamentations, bitter weeping for Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. They... Uh, Again, quote the Rachel story, which she died in Bethlehem. 
and she's weeping for her children. Now, <clears throat> all of that is the reason we sing such things as, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in the dark street shines the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Because out of that little town is coming the forever child, the forever king. So when the angels said, glory to God in the highest. When the angels said, peace on earth. When they said that goodwill toward men. When they said that from the skies in heaven, the baby was on earth. He had been born. The king had come. In Bethlehem, you know what the name means? House of bread. Who's the bread of life? Maybe that's why there was such an ash heap there. Maybe they had a lot of ovens going there, cooking bread in that area. I don't know. But out of the ashes rises the glory of God for us to behold. Now, just by way of concluding all this, Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. And it's a great celebration time. He went straight from there to Calvary. Took a few years, but that's where he was headed. He set his face like a flint and went to Jerusalem, to Calvary. He suffered, died, and was buried, according to Scripture, and rose again the third day, according to Scripture. Then he ascended into heaven. And the angel said, from heaven again to those on earth, Why do you stand here looking around like you don't know what to do? The same Lord you just saw go up in the clouds is going to come back again. You have work to do until those days. The rapture hasn't occurred yet. We're not in the tribulation. But the gospel needs to be preached in Elto and Freeport. The megachurches are doing their big harvest thing, whatever they're doing doesn't matter to us. What we're doing is what Ruth was doing. Is we're picking up little grains along the way. We're working on a harvest for the kingdom of God. And if we do not preach the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, if we do not live the gospel, what hope is there for those around us? This may be the only church in this area that's preaching the gospel. And as you come on, Kevin, preach the gospel, man. As we go out of here today, let us live that gospel. Be ready to give an answer. We all know something. Tell tell them what we know. The angels came, the shepherds saw. They told them what they saw and heard. That's all we have to do. I might know more about this history stuff than you do. It doesn't matter. Well, whatever you know, that's what you're responsible to tell. What I know, I'm responsible to tell. You love the Lord Jesus, born on Christmas Day in Bethlehem. And we should have peace in our hearts like no one has ever had peace before, even in the midst of a troubled world. Even if Ahaz is in Washington, D.C. or Lansing or wherever, who cares about the government? 
None of it matters. What matters is where is Christ in my life and what am I doing with that? That's what really matters. Learn the book. Know Jesus Christ. Share his love with others. That's the main call. And then we'll enjoy Bethlehem peace. Amen. Amen.